I guess a lot of this just came from sharing my interests, my passions, and even going back before, you know, I got into a technical field. I used to write workout routines for people just to help them out. I just guess at the heart of it, I like to help people. And and I guess I'm more helpful when it's something I'm really passionate about. So uh, before I started teaching, I was mentoring people that were wanting to get into pen testing or people that were going through the OSCP certification, you know, kind of giving them some some study tips and resources to use. So it's interesting. I started out and I just, you know, I knew I liked doing that sort of thing. But once I got into teaching and, and you know, running Pwned School and, and doing workshops and speaking at conferences, I just guess I didn't realize how much I really liked doing that. And so at the heart of it, it's just helping people. From Cobalt at Home, this is Humans of InfoSec, a show about real people, their work, and its impact on the information security industry. My name is Caroline Wong, and I'd like to introduce today's guest, my friend and colleague, Philip Wiley. Philip has worked in IT and security for more than 20 years and spent the past eight or so years focused on offensive security, specifically pen test and red team roles in consulting and banking. Philip has a passion for mentoring and education. He teaches ethical hacking and web application pen testing at Richland College in Dallas, Texas. He has also founded the Pwn School, uh, which I'm very excited to ask about. Um, and he has an upcoming book called The Pen Tester Blueprint. Philip, welcome to our podcast. Oh, thanks for uh, inviting me to join you. It's an honor to be part of your podcast. So, I really want to ask you about the Pwn School Project, and I really want to ask you about Pentester Blueprint. But first, I have to ask you, what is this I hear about a bear story? <laughs> yeah, that goes back to uh, earlier in life when I really didn't want know what I was wanting to do for a living. I graduated high school, uh, really hadn't planned on going to college, didn't know what I was going to do for a career but I'd, uh, I'd lifted weights and I competed in powerlifting. And so my friends said, why don't you be a pro wrestler? So I thought that sounds kind of interesting. So I went to wrestling school. And while I was starting my pro wrestling career, I didn't make enough money to make a living. So I worked as a uh, bouncer at a nightclub. And the owner of the nightclub would have different special events on Sunday nights because bands were usually there Thursdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. But Sundays are usually slow unless there was a football game on or something. So they brought in uh, this wrestling bear. And since I was like one of the one of the um, local guys and worked at the bar and had a wrestling background, uh, they created these posters with my wrestling picture on it, my wrestling promo pic and the picture of the bear, kind of hoping that that would help the event people coming to see me wrestle the bear. So so I ended up wrestling the bear twice that night. And it was kind of an interesting interesting experience and i probably got more uh use out of it in my professional career than what i did back you know while i was wrestling oh my goodness <laughs> okay i i i honestly didn't know what the story was when i asked you the question um our mutual friend elizabeth had mentioned it in passing and i had no idea what it was actually about and it is so much better than I could have ever imagined. Um, that is phenomenal. Do you have photos of these posters? Uh, I don't have a photo of the poster. I do have the, a picture of the bear, but not the, not ah. the, the posters. 
Very good. How how large would you say this bear was? 750 pounds. Oh my goodness. That is incredible. Were you scared? No, not really. And people ask me all the time, why did you do that? I was like 22 years old at the time. And I thought I was 22 years old. I'm a guy. What else do you need to know? Because we do stupid stuff. <laughs> back, back, to the memes, back to the memes, why women live longer, you know? <laughs> I love it. I love it. So Philip, actually that I think is a great place to start because um, one of the things that I like the most about interviewing lots of friends and colleagues on this podcast is finding that people come from all different walks of life um, and to picture you as a bouncer wrestling a 700 pound bear um, and then knowing you today um, that is just so cool. And, you know, from, from being 22, how did you start your career? As far as like my professional career, once I kind of, I, you know, from the wrestling, I got married, I needed a more stable career. So I went through several different types of jobs and I'm one a type of person I have to really enjoy and be passionate about what I'm doing or I just don't enjoy the, the job. So I'd worked doing manual labor, retail sales, all sorts of things. And at one point, I guess one of the jobs I was most successful at before entering a professional career, I was working as a jewelry salesman and I would usually be the top salesperson of the month. So I was working for a company and our jewelry store, the owners wanted to promote me to, you know, like to be a, a, a manager there, you know, associate manager and, the guy that was the manager of the store had different ideas than someone else he wanted to promote. So I kind of learned I need to go to school, get some kind of trade that I can get by based on my skills and not based on who's the manager at the time's choice of man of assistant managers. So I went to a uh, CAD school. It was a, this trade school called American Trade Institute, and they had advertisements on television about their AutoCAD drafting program. So I liked liked to draw when I was younger and in high school and and earlier than that and took some drafting classes in high school. I thought this is something that would be interesting. So I went to to CAD school. I started back in like 90, 93 or so, finished by 94. Didn't really have much exposure to computers. Had a, a computer at home, was playing games on Prodigy, but that was the extent of it. I really didn't know how to use a computer. And then once I got into trade school learning AutoCAD, I learned about computers, and once I got out working, uh, a lot of the companies I worked for didn't have IT uh, staff, and so a lot, a lot of times I would be the one figuring out how to fix the problems. I just found out that I had a natural knack for for IT, and I taught myself how to build computers, and then I ended up taking a, uh, a Novell Netware class, because Novell Netware was the popular network operating system back in the late 90s, early 2000s, before Microsoft's network operating system really took off. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door. And, and while I was doing AutoCAD, I learned about sysadmin work, which prompted me to take the Novell course. And it looked a lot more interesting than what I was doing. You know, they were making more money and it looked a lot more interesting. So that's kind of what got me into it. Once I got into IT, I just kind of followed my interests. So I worked as a system administrator for a little over six years, got interested in security moved over into security the first year and a half or so I was doing network security. The company hired a, a CISO. The CISO had more modern 
uh, outlook and experience with security. So he divided us up in different groups. Everyone was doing network security previously, and he moved me into AppSec. So that's where I found out about web application vulnerability scanners and pen testing. And I knew this is what I wanted to do. And so in 2012, I got laid off from the mortgage company and went to work as a consultant doing pen testing. And so that's kind of how I got into starting my offensive security uh, career. Very, very cool. Um, Philip, I'm curious to know, what are your reflections having been an in-house security and IT professional and being a consultant? Um, can you tell us a little bit about your experience in those two fairly different types of roles? Yeah, as far as the experience go, goes, I really like consulting better because you're exposed to so many different environments. And my first five years of pen testing was spent in consulting. So I got exposed to a lot of different environments, you know, because some companies may have these certain frameworks they're using on their applications or certain technologies, but going to different companies, you get to learn a lot of different technologies, get to work in a lot of different industries. Uh, I don't know, I kind of figured from my experience in IT, it is, you know, working internally, the benefits are you get to, you know, make a lot of, uh, you know, relationships with people, you make a lot of friends. And then when you're consulting, you're on site for a little bit of time. So you really don't have time to get to know people. Although for my consulting days, there's actually a couple, couple of customers that I stayed in touch with. But one of the biggest, like I guess the biggest downsides is, is just the relationships. You know, you're not working with the same people every day, although you're working and consulting, we're all remote. And then, like I said, you know, the consulting, as far as the technical part, you know, learning more and being exposed to different things, that was more fun. And then sometimes the the part I did that was can be difficult about being an internal resource too is if you're working on something, you know, the project's usually not over with, you're doing continuous support. And with, you know, pen testing, you go into a project and then you move on to the next thing. Being in-house, you're constantly supporting something. And even after the pen test is over with, you know, people still have to come back. So just kind of the, you know, change of scenery, not doing the same stuff over and over again was what I liked best about consulting. Very cool. Philip, tell me about the Poem School project. You've got a YouTube channel, you've got popular social media pages on Twitter and Facebook, you've got a GitHub page, you've got a meetup. How did this come to be? Actually, how Poem School came, came about is my first semester I started teaching uh, ethical hacking in 2018, the spring semester. And towards the end of the semester, some of my students, you know, there was at the time the web app pen testing course hadn't started yet there at, uh, at the college. It was something that came about a, a year later. And so a lot of the students said, what do we do next? And and not everyone has the money to go to SANS courses. And, and I was thinking of ways I could help the students. And I thought about just kind of getting together like on Saturdays or weekends and just show them different types of, you know, pen testing techniques and that sort of thing. And uh, I finally decided to do something official. So I started the Pwn School Project, which is a a uh, bi-monthly uh, meetup. So I had actually physical meetups in two different locations. And fortunately, we were streaming one of the, the meetups each month. And when COVID hit, then 
it wasn't a big deal. I just didn't have to go physically and set up somewhere. So I was able to continue on. So most of our topics start out being based on, you know, pen testing and different offensive security topics. But then we got to where we started offering more topics because a lot of the people coming to the meetings were trying to get into security, not necessarily pen testing. And then some sometimes it's hard to get in, get your start. You know, your first job as a pen tester, you have to start out in other areas. So we started having speakers present on SOC analyst positions and all sorts of other stuff. We actually had a CISO uh, give his story about how he went from being a security analyst into being a CISO. So we've had a, a, a broad range. So we kind of broaden the scope. So it's always security related, but most of the time uh, it's uh, offensive security related. But it's been a good way. One of the things I really liked about the streaming and, and recording to YouTube, it offers people in different regions the opportunity to watch because our meetings are at 7 p.m. Central Time. So this is not conducive to someone in India trying to watch the content. So having it up there makes it available to uh, more people. And then people that are local that weren't able to make the meeting can go back and watch the content. That is so awesome. Philip, why do you care so much about other people? <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of interesting you bring that up. And it's uh, I guess a lot of this just came from sharing my interests, my passions, and even going back before, you know, I got into a technical field, I used to write powerlifting routines and workout routines for people just to help them out. I just guess at the heart of it, I like to help people. And, and I guess I'm more helpful when it's something I'm really passionate about. So uh, before I started teaching, I was mentoring people that were wanting to get into pen testing or people that were going through the OSCP certification, you know, kind of giving them some some study tips and resources to use. So it's interesting. I started out and I just, you know, I knew I liked doing that sort of thing. But once I got into teaching and, and you know, running Pwn School and, and doing workshops and speaking at conferences, I just guess I didn't realize how much I really liked doing that. And so at the heart of it, it's just helping people. So it's really enjoyable. And one of the things I would say compared to when I was helping people with fitness related stuff is people don't always stick with the fitness related stuff. And, with you know anything career wise you can help people you make a real difference in someone's life you can help them get a better career make more money and so i really like the fact that i'm able to help people beyond you know just learning the skill but help them where they can you know make a better lives for themselves yeah that's so incredible and i understand that you actually started your role as an as an instructor at dallas college while you were also working full-time um, can you share with me and our listeners your story of how you decided to take on that role? Yes, it's kind of interesting because um, how I found out about the role, I, I kind of considered it one time wanting to teach. You know, sometime I, in my career, I thought maybe more towards a semi-retirement or retirement thing to do. And my wife was going to, to that school and she was taking digital forensics. And her instructor told her that her in the class, uh, he said that, you know, next semester in the spring, we're going to start offering an ethical hacking class if I can find an instructor. So my wife said, my husband's a pen tester. He'd be a good instructor. And I don't think her instructor took her too serious, which actually is kind of ironic because her instructor ended up being my uh, my manager there. And we, we've become really good friends. But he really didn't take her too seriously and said, have him send his resume. So I sent my resume with a brief little introduction, cover letter style email kind of told him what I was doing and emailed him and right as soon as not long after he read the email, he replied back and said, wow, I want to work with you. 
so I got started. And uh, fortunately, when I was working at U.S. Bank, my manager management there was, you know, very supportive about outside activities, and they, uh, you know, were encouraging for me to do it. So I got started. I taught that one semester, and I really wasn't sure if it was something I'd like. I didn't know if it was something I would stick with, but you know, as it got closer to to time for the class to start, I kind of started getting cold feet. But I thought, you know, I got to get through this one semester and see if I like it. And honestly, the teaching thing has really been life altering for me. This is where all my conference stuff, homeschool, doing workshops and and speaking. I'd spoke at a conference once before back in 2015. But was really fine try, trying to find topics to to speak about. And once I started teaching pen testing, that gave me a topic to to present about present on. Fantastic. Philip, I'm going to ask you what might be a weird question. And if it's too weird, just tell me and we'll take it out. Um, I wonder if you would share with us an experience or two with maybe one of the students that you've taught. If there's any particular um, student that comes to your mind um, that you really remember, you know, whether he or she may have been really struggling or maybe really, you know, got the hang of it. I'm so curious to know a little bit more about your relationship uh, with your students as you're, as you're sharing with them your knowledge of pen testing and cybersecurity. Yeah, there, there's a lot, a lot of really good memories. And one of the ones that, that I like to share, it's a, a recent experience, but although it was one of my first students, one of my first students uh, from the first semester, she has grown kids in college and she had went to school. She had a computer science degree and she didn't want to work an internship because she didn't want to work for free. And I can understand that. And so she took several classes at the community college because she already had like a bachelor's in uh, computer science. But at the college where I was teaching, she took like forensics classes, some different programming classes. And then my class seemed kind of interesting, so she took it. So she was one of the very first one of my students to to actually get a job as a pen tester. And then not long ago, the company that I just recently left, we were having some web application pen tests done, and she was one of the pen testers that was uh, testing our applications. And then also to follow that up, another really impressive uh, uh, person we had in class, this young lady, She's like in her early 20s. She recently joined that same consulting company and uh, she did a pen test for us. So, so she was pen testing. So that's one of the things I really liked. Uh, I was always, you know, hoping to get more diversity and more women in the class. But one of the things that's the coolest story, I think now it's tied three women and three men that have jobs in pen testing, but it's a higher percentage. And the first pen testers out of my class were, were women. So that was pretty cool. And I had another student because I've never discouraged anyone. Someone can give me some ridiculous outlandish idea or goal they have, and I will support them. I'm never going to, you know, you, you know, you never want to tell someone, you know, you need to do this or discourage anyone. And I had a student that was in class that started out. He was saying, I want to be, you know, like you, but I want to be able to, you know, get there quicker. And I said, yeah, just study hard. You can do it. I mean, I said, I've known people that were pen testers that got to my level a lot quicker. So you just put in the time and effort, you can get there. Two weeks later, he tells me, am I going to be able to get through this class and do well if I don't read the book? And so I told him, I said, well, if you work really hard, and I said, it'd be helpful to read the book, but work really hard in the labs. And we have a, a class project that was a pen test, you know, work on the pen test. 
he turned the pen test and did a really good job, but uh, he recently got a job as a pen tester and it really kind of surprised me that, you know, he got the job. And it's just interesting showing the difference between some people, you know, some people are really talented and work hard. Some people have a lot of confidence and they're not scared to go for something. And he was one of those people that went out and went for it and he got the job. So it's just kind of interesting to, to see those probably the most sad and disappointing uh, story I have is I had this one student the very first semester, very, very passionate. Uh, he, he was an immigrant and he was working as laying tile floors and he was started going to all the different meetups because I always tell my students go to meetups and conferences. He was really passionate about about that. He built he, the last day of class of the semester. He created this poster with the Dallas Hackers Association. We we're kind of having like an end of semester party. He's really passionate and things worked out. His employer started pressuring him, saying he needed to, uh, you know, put more effort into work because he was going to school. They were worried that he was going to leave his job. And then he got pressured home. So he ended up having, he ended up quitting and kind of gave up on his dreams. So that was kind of sad. But, but the good thing is I've got more good stories than, than the sad stories. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Philip, what inspired you? to begin work on the Pentester Blueprint. And can you tell our readers a little bit about it? And when can we when can we get our hands on it? Yes, actually that's a that, that plays in good with with uh, teaching because actually the Pentester Blueprint came about from my first day of uh, class lecture each semester. I would do a talk. It's kind of evolved because adding it added in the how to get started piece. The first day of lecture was basically an overview of pen testing, you know, the different types of pen tests, the different types of targets you pen test, just information about pen testing. And one of the, my, actually my supervisor there at the college, he asked me to, to come present to his students on how to become a pen tester. So I talked to his class as well as a couple other classes for two other, for uh, two other professors. And so, you know, I had this little presentation put together and 2018 uh, before the B-Sides DFW, they had their call for papers. And so I submitted that talk there, the Pentester Blueprint. And although when it became a conference talk, I added in details on the education that you would need to be a Pentester, the prerequisites and all that. So that's where that came about. So the first time I gave it was in 2018. And I'd had the idea, you know, after giving the talk a few times and the feedback I got, because, you know, there's a lot of books out there that tell you about pen testing. They, they show you how to do the technical part, but no one really shows you what you need to know to get started and all that. So I felt like this was important information. So I was actually interviewed for the Tribe of Hackers Red Team book a while back. And I would posted up on LinkedIn about being in the book. And one of the, the people from the publisher from Wiley Publishing approached me and said, are you interested in writing a book? And I was thinking about, originally I was going to do self-publish, a self-published book on the Pentester Blueprint. So I thought this is a good opportunity. I gave them my pitch on the book I wanted to write and they accepted it and and uh, came back and I started, started working on the book. And one of the things that was a good lesson through writing the book is my writing style is straight to the point. I'm, I don't write a lot of fluff. So as I was writing the book, I was kind of getting stuck. I got the information on becoming a Pentester just weren't, wasn't quite filling the book out. And so I thought, you know, either I self-publish or find someone to help me write the book. So I actually reached out to Kim 
Jim Crawley, which is a, a well-known uh, writer in the InfoSec industry, to ask her to help me with the book. I figured that way I can get this book done, find someone who knows more about writing. So that was that was a, a big help, and that's one of the lessons I kind of learned. It's okay to help people, ask people for help, and sometimes it you know makes things better. And so by collaborating with her, it's even going to be a better book than I'd anticipated. But the book takes you from the prerequisites to different areas, of, tells you about different areas of security and some of the learning resources and steps to become a pen tester. And the book is actually uh, on pre-order now, but it's uh, scheduled to be released in December. Phenomenal. Well, I am so excited to receive mine. And when it is safe for us to see each other in person, I certainly hope you'll, you'll consider signing it for me. Oh, definitely. Phenomenal. Philip, what's next for you? I understand that you recently took on a brand new role. Yeah, this is kind of interesting because this is the first time in over eight and a half years that I've been in a role that didn't wasn't really a pen testing role. So this is more education. So I'll be creating a offensive security education curriculum. And I'm working work for Point Three Federal. So that's gonna be kind of interesting. I was actually looking at getting into content creation. And so this is kind of one of these ways, a way for me to get experience in that area to help me in like in my uh, outside endeavors, as well as, you know, help improve, you know, what I'm doing for my classes, you know, get a little experience with the, the curriculum creation. So, so really looking forward to that. Very cool. Philip, if you could go back and talk to your 22 year old self, you know, say you met up with yourself after, after that bear fight, what would you say to that person? Yeah, if I could have went back, could have went back and told myself that I would have uh, encouraged myself to go back to school and get a computer science degree. Cool, awesome, Philip. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your story with me and with our listeners. I appreciate it so much. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Humans of InfoSec is brought to you by Cobalt.io, a pen testing as a service company. Like what you hear? Subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you enjoy podcasts. And don't forget to say hello. You can find us on Twitter at Humans of InfoSec. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.